0: Well, I want you to come with me in your Bibles to uh, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Today, I've got a a message that kind of God has really kind of been uh, burning, brandishing on my heart for, uh, I'm going to say at least six months. And the title of my message today is Fashioning Weapons. Fashioning Weapons. If if anyone ever asks you, you know what, what's C3 church about? Oh, you go to that C3 church, what's C3 church about? You can say, man, that church is all about fashioning weapons. Just bump the person next to you and say, you look like a deadly weapon. All right, you all there? 1 Samuel 13 verse 16 says, Saul, Jonathan his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the philistines encamped in michmash the raiders came out then raiders came out of the philistines in three companies one company uh, turned onto the road of ophrah to the land of shuel another company turned to the road to beth haran and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of zeboam toward the wilderness now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of israel for the philistines said lest the Hebrews make swords and spears. I want you to underline in your Bible, uh, verse 19, now there was no blacksmith. There was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for sharpening was a pimp for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to set the points of the goads. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word today. And I ask, Father, you would speak through me today that this would be a word in season for these, your, your servants, your sons and daughters, Father, that we would uh, become weapons fashioned in the mighty hand of God to be able to <clears throat> accomplish and fulfill all that you have put in our, in our destiny, in our lives, in our hearts, Father God, that we would not be people without weapons, that we would not be at the mercy of of the enemy but father rather we would be equipped we would be resourced ready to take ground and ready to occupy territory that you have uh, allotted to us in Jesus name everybody said amen, amen. I, I love this passage of Scripture because uh, it kind of it kind of paints a picture of the devil's agenda it really paints a picture of the devil's agenda the devil doesn't want the house of God, doesn't want the people of God, doesn't want the church, doesn't want you and I to have weapons, to have access to any weapons. The devil wants to have all the weapons in his camp. He wants to have all the power in his camp, but he wants the church to be anemic. He wants the church to be weak. He wants you and I to, to to you know, be subject to, you know, Whatever whatever is going on around about us, he wants us to be under the circumstances. He doesn't want us taking ground, doesn't want us taking territory, doesn't want us going into battle. And if we go into battle, then he certainly wants to have the upper hand. He doesn't want you to have the upper hand in the battle. And so here we see that there are no blacksmiths in all of Israel. No blacksmiths. Now a blacksmith is a guy who would who would take. You know uh, steel and he would put the steel in the furnace and and you know get it red hot and then he would pull that 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 piece of steel out and he would place it on an anvil and then he would take the hammer and he would fashion that thing and he'd make it into a sword or he'd make that thing into a spear he would fashion weapons the blacksmith was one of the most important people because the blacksmiths produced the weapons that resourced the army so that the army could go out and and fight and take territory now I'm not sure what's happened. We know that this is not a great time for the children of Israel. Samuel is, is now the prophet, but he's taken over from a guy called Eli. And uh, Eli was a prophet, he was, was a backslidden prophet. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas and uh, who basically grew up in their father's house but did not love the Lord. They loved loved what the house of God could do for them but they they didn't want to do anything for the house of God. And so they were were wicked sons, the Bible says. And uh, Eli did not restrain them. And so the whole house of Israel ended up backslidden. The Bible says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Hardly anyone had any vision. And even Eli himself, you know, was going blind. He had no vision, which is not a great thing when you're a prophet. And, uh, and it was just a tragic time. Samuel's taken over. The children of Israel are still backslidden. They want a king. So Saul is the king. So now they've got a king. So, so they've got a king and they've also got a prophet and they've also got priests, but they've got no blacksmiths. I look at, I look at a lot of churches and a lot of churches today, you know, we, we can find ourselves putting our, our faith in, well, you know, we've got priests, we've got a pastor you know we, we've got a presbytery we've got elders in the church and and you know there's king there's leadership you know they've got a leadership team they've got a, a leaders you know uh, hierarchy there's there's appointed leaders and and they've, they've got leaders they've even got they've even got a, a king they've got priests they've got they've got an army it's just the army doesn't have any weapons the army doesn't have any weapons if you if you're a I tell people, this is what we do at C3, we're actually fashioning weapons, that's, that's what we're trying to do. I love movies like, you know, when you see, you know, James Bond, or, you know, all these kind of, kind of movies, they're movies about where the, the person is a deadly weapon. You know, Bond goes into the place, and, you know, what have you got for me? And, uh, well, uh, well, Mr. Bond, we've got this, you know, this new, don't, that's not a pen. It looks like a pen, but it's actually you know a 2.2 magnum <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know don't hold it like that and, you know, and, there's, and there's all the, and his car you know pushes buttons and you know lasers and you know missiles and all kinds of stuff. it turns ordinary things into weapons and that's what gives him an edge. That, that's what makes him deadly that's what makes him a threat to the enemy. the enemy, the megalomaniacs who want to rule the world you know who are trying to build you know a laser. Hot magma. I'm going, we're going to blow up the moon with our laser. You know, whatever it is. Whatever whatever the megalomaniacs are trying to do. Unless you send me one million dollars. You know, but, but all of a sudden here comes this person who's got weapons. This person who's got skill. This person who's got ability. The enemy doesn't want there to be blacksmiths. He doesn't want there to be blacksmiths in the house of God. He doesn't want there to be blacksmiths who are forging and, and fashioning weapons. He doesn't want you to be fashioned into a weapon. He certainly doesn't want you to be inviting people to the four hot weekends. Can I tell you the four hot weekends, That these four hot weekends in July is all about the fact that we are fashioning weapons. We're fashioning weapons. You know I was talking to somebody uh, last night at a wedding that we went to and they said oh you know so you have a church in in Carmel Valley and a church in Carlsbad Ooh, wow you know who, who pastors the one in Carlsbad I said, well I do well, who pastors the one in Carmel Valley I do oh how do you do that oh, it's really simple I pastor them but I don't preach at them oh how do you do that how do you not preach at them all oh, very simple because I'm raising up weapons we're developing weapons we, we we have to raise up. We have to develop weapons. I have to, you know, the, the, these these four hot weekends is about the fact that God wants us to be blacksmiths. And and what a blacksmith does is he may put you in the fire. These are, these are four weekends of fire. You're gonna find some fire when you come into our church. Not everybody likes our church because there's some fire. You come in with stuff, and what fire does is bring stuff to the surface. Fire will burn. You know, when, when the uh, when the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace, they were thrown in bound they were thrown in bound they were bound with ropes the, the world uh, Babylon had bound them and they were thrown into the furnace but when they came out of the furnace they were no longer bound people that like their bondages from the world their attachments to the world people that love the you know their addictions from this world that don't want to give up their addi- they won't really they don't really like our church because there's a fire here where, where we want you to get set free we want you to break that we want to break those addictions and get you set free and so there's a fire in this house and you'll find that the fire Fire is a fire that will begin to melt and begin to soften you so that you can end up now on the on the anvil anvil is prayer we believe in prayer and then the the blacksmith will take the hammer which is the word of God and begin to go to town on you fashion you and a lot of people are like man I didn't come to a church I know I just want to turn up to a church and I just want to put my my money in and then I just want to let, I don't want to be in a prayer meeting I don't want to be in leadership I don't want to be in responsibility I don't want to and, and so you, a lot of people maybe there's not the church but but I'm saying, if you want to be become a deadly weapon in the hand of God you're going to find that there's going to be some fire that's going to fall you're going to find that God wants to place you on the anvil of prayer and then he's going to get the hammer which is the word of God and begin to beat things that are crooked and start making them straight in your life but can I tell you you may not like the process as you're going through it don't look at the process look at the product the end product is you are going to be a deadly weapon against the kingdom of darkness a deadly weapon for the kingdom of God I thank God I Thank God there were many times I wanted to get off the anvil. Many times that I wanted to get off. But I knew that I didn't want to go back to being all bent and all out of shape and useless. I wanted to be something that God could use. I wanted to be something mighty in the hand of God. And so as difficult as it was at times, as tough as it was at times, I'm staying on this anvil And I'm going to let the Word of God fashion me. I'm going to let the Word of God smooth out the edges. I'm going to let the Word of God take out the bumps and the crooked areas of my life so that I can become a deadly weapon in the hand of God. Can somebody say amen? Now, there's this thing called presumptive sovereignty. And I'm not sure if the children of Israel are operating in that. But what presumptive sovereignty is, is a, a belief that because God is sovereign, therefore God is in charge of everything and therefore we don't need blacksmiths we don't need any protection but what we read in this passage of Scripture is the Philistines number one not only know that the children of Israel have no blacksmiths they are they are making sure that the children of Israel have no blacksmiths so that they have to come to the world they have to come to the Philistines to get their to get their tools sharpened and at the same time they've sent out three bands of raiders into three areas a three-pronged approach to try and minimize and control, and to dominate and enslave the children of Israel. The enemy, the enemy is unbelievably real, and and he is strategic. Now, the children of Israel don't have any blacksmiths. Maybe they're thinking, "Well, God will just protect us. God will just protect us. We don't we don't need weapons." In your Bibles, if you come to Judges chapter three verse one and two, Judges chapter three, verse one and two. I think we're going to uh, put it up on the screen. Judges chapter three, verse one and two shows us something really powerful. What I want to tell you is that, uh, you know, a lot of people think that, uh, here we go. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war at least those who had not formally known it. Now, this is when they were going into the promised land. They're going into the promised land, and the Bible says that God didn't drive out all the enemies. God didn't drive out all the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites. God didn't drive them all out. He left some of the enemies in there. He left some of the enemies in the land. Why did He do that? The Bible says there, so that they might learn warfare, so that they might know warfare. Why? because many of these had grown up their fathers had had warfare their fathers had taken down the enemies to get in there but these little ones who had grown up had not known warfare so god purposely god purposely leaves the enemies in there god could have wiped them out god could have chased them out he could have struck them all dead with plagues so that they would go in there but instead he leaves them in there so that they might learn warfare why because here's the reason why because To know warfare means that not only can you gain, but you can maintain. To know warfare means that not only can you gain ground, but you can maintain ground. Pastor David was talking about, you know, uh, this... July 4th represents Independence Day where you know about 250 years ago America became independent of the crown became independent became its own nation it was Independence Day and and freedom liberty justice for all you know was our, was our catch cry but since then for 250 years we've had to fight and we've had many, many fights and many, many battles. And even today, there are enemies around about us that would love to attack the United States of America, that would love to weaken the United States of America, would love for us to scale down our military, scale down our weapons, you know, not have any weapons, you know, making it look like we're trusting in the sovereignty of God. But really, it's just foolishness. One, one of the things that keeps America safe is our incredibly strong military and the fact that we are constantly developing our weaponry at, you know we don't have to use them but the fact that we have them you know is enough for the for the enemies around about that would love to attack can you just imagine if we had no border security if we had no weaponry if we had no military if we had no structure the enemies would be able to come and do whatever we like and we would be people whose lives would be threatened endangered and and, you know possibly even wiped out because we have enemies but because we have those weapons uh, and because we have you know strategic armies and military and all that kind of stuff because of that, the enemy is at bay. God knows that you and I need to know warfare. The Bible says to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Spiritual warfare. God will, leave. God will allow and leave enemies. God will allow and leave, allow things in your life so that you know warfare. You know, something went wrong. I'm not, I can't believe this, Pastor Eugen. I've been tithing, and, and then something went wrong with my job. They're going to, they're gonna, you know, the, the boss called us all in, and there were 12 of us at a table, and six of us are going to be losing our jobs. How could this happen? I might be one of those six. Well, God allows all of that so that you might know warfare so that you might know warfare, so that you might go into prayer, that you might be able to go into fasting, that you might be able to go, well, you don't understand. You know, uh, uh, you know the Bible says that the Lord heals all our diseases, and yet, um, you know, I've got this lump, and, this, and they, 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 took a, they took a sample, and they're saying, you know, it could be cancerous. And why, why would all of this be happening? How come God, I thought that God, the Bible does say that God heals all our diseases. It doesn't say that He prevents all of our diseases. He heals all of them. He doesn't prevent all of them. Why does He allow it? Be So that you can learn warfare. Because it's not just about you. God allows things. God leaves things in your life. God allows you to walk through things in your life so that you can strengthen your faith muscles, so you can develop your weaponry, so you become sharp with the sword, so that you can be fashioned into a weapon, so that you can go into other places and save other people. So when your neighbours who are without faith or without God, when they face the same crises and the same situations, you can Say, hey, let me pray for you. My God delivered me from the same thing. My God can deliver you. God will allow you. And I go, no, there's a there's a kind of a, a this sovereignty thing that you know God is sovereign, and therefore you know we don't need to worry about anything, man. I'm telling you that that's that's not scriptural. When we see Jesus calls the devil three times in the Gospel of John, the ruler of this world, Jesus talks about the evil one in John ten ten. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly he's talking about a clash he's talking about a conflict you and i live in conflict you and i live with a clash people think that the promised land is heaven the promised land is not symbolic of heaven the promised land is all about right here right now the promises of god coming into your life when the children of israel crossed over canaan and went into the promised land there were giants in the promised land there were canaanites and parasites there were enemies in the promised land that they had to defeat in order to possess their promises when you and I get to heaven, there are no devils, there are no enemies, there are no demons, there are no, there's no opposition to you inheriting, that, that heaven is heaven. But right here on earth, for you to inherit the promises of God. And let me tell you, the Bible is full of the promises of God, of peace, of love, of prosperity. You need to understand that there are enemies, there are devils, there are spirits who are trying to oppose you every step of the way. There are adversaries who don't want you to prosper, who don't want you to flourish, who don't want you to expand who don't want you to live in health, who don't want you to live in wealth, who don't want your children worshipping, who don't want your children on fire for God, who want to rob the next generation. And you need to understand that God wants to fashion you as a weapon. He wants to develop you as a weapon, but you've got to get good with fire. You've got to get good with anvil. And you've got to get good with some hammering that comes down on your life. Can somebody say Amen. The devil wants to have all the weapons. The tune of Israel had to go down to the Philistines to sharpen their sickles, to sharpen their axes. The devil loves the fact that if you want, if you want, if you want some type of clairvoyance into your future, you go to a clairvoyant. If you want a prophetic word, you go to a tarot card reader. You know, I was where was I the other day? And I saw you know psychic readings. I think I was in La Jolla. That's it's in La Jolla. Psychic reading. Beautiful La Jolla, art galleries and cafes and, and psychic reading. Now, I can't imagine that the rent is cheap to be there. So people are obviously going there. If no one's going there, there's not going to be, because people have a hunger for, for the prophetic. You know, there's, there's television shows now, you know, psychic cops and, you know, and people who use mediums and psychics to try and solve crimes. And all. Why, why are they coming to the church? Because the, the church doesn't have any blacksmiths. The devil's stolen the blacksmiths from the church. So the, so the world turns to the psyche. The world's gone to the Philistines. The Philistines have got the weapons. They have the inside. They have the, you know, the, the, they have the, no, no, the church is the most powerful prophetic vehicle on the planet. But I'm telling you, the devil has robbed the blacksmiths from the church. Where, where are the people that, I'm praying. You know what? And It's because we, we, we hate fire. We hate the anvil of prayer. We only pray when we need stuff. It's like, like the, the pastor that says to the, to, to the little boy, he says, Do you pray every day? He says, Not every day. He goes, Yeah, not every day. There are some days I don't need anything. That's kind of our prayer life. We hardly ever need anything, so we don't pray hammering of the word of God, well, you know what, I went to that church and they challenged me, so I'm going to find a church that I can go into where I don't get challenged, where there's just a nice little sermonette on a Sunday, just, you know, something. You you need to be challenged. How do I know you need to be challenged? Because I need to be challenged. I need to be challenged. My, my every single one of us have got a human nature, a sinful nature, and that thing is bent away from God. Don't ever think that your human nature is bent towards God, it is bent away from God. You have a hum- that's why people need to be in church, people need to be in church. Because they have a human nature that bends them away from God. You need to be in the house of God. You'll screw up your life, your marriage, your family, everything if you're not in the house of God. The house of God is the one thing that will bring that hammer and bring it back into into alignment with God. And then you find, you know, in the world and brings you back into alignment. You you need to be in the house of God. Why Why don't we make this month, July, invitation month? invitation month let's not only just you know come out to Andy Kabbalah next week who's you know powerful in in the area of healing you know signs wonders miracles and uh you know and then Tommy Tenney author of God Chases phenomenal man of God I mean they're going to be two breakthrough Sundays but our own weapons that we are developing in this house pastor Mark pastor David pastor Brianna pastor James pastor Jesse all these great powerhouses that we're raising up in this house because, you know, let's show us, well, you know, it's not Pastor Jürgen preaching, I don't know. No, we're, we're trying to, don't, don't do that. You don't, you're not doing me any favors. It's not, well, you know, Jürgen's not on, we won't go. It's going to be like, you know, how good can it be? No, no, Go. Like, we need to be cheering these people on. We've got to. We've got to be raising up weapons. We've got to be developing weapons. We've got to be empowering people to go to the. How are they ever going to, you know, preach to tens of thousands if we can't get them to preach to tens and hundreds and, and thousands? And here, we've got to raise them up. We've got to develop them. We've got to develop weapons. Can somebody say amen? See, see the devil doesn't want the church to have weapons. The devil doesn't want the church to have weapons. I remember I was I was with my brother-in-law, Pastor Andy Gabbala, who's here next week, and uh, and we were we were doing some meetings in New Zealand, and uh, I was the first person to minister on this particular morning, and I had a word of knowledge. There was somebody there and they had pain. In, in their right hand. I felt this incredible pain. I said, somebody here, you got pain in the right hand. I can just feel pain in my right hand. So this kid came forward and he had his arm in a cast. And and I said, oh, what happened? He says, well, you know, he busted it playing volleyball. He went for a dive and fell on it and went back and it snapped. Oh, my gosh, you know. It was all kind of black and blue. And so I prayed for him. And and, uh, and I said, can you feel that? Yeah, I feel warm. I said, that's the power of God. I said, what if the doctor said? Ten weeks. Ten weeks, I believe that it's going to be five. And so he went and sat down. I finished preaching. And so you know, we had a break, and then my brother-in-law, Andy Kabbalah gets up, and he gets up, and, and he's kind of, I don't know what he's, I don't, I don't even think he prepared anything, but he's just kind of rambling away, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, my session was the better session so far, and this uh, is, oh, there's somebody here, you know, and there's pain in your right hand, and so this kid gets up and walks out again, I, I grab him as he walks past, whoa, whoa, I already prayed for you, <laughs> go and sit down, go on, you little skippy, sit down, and, but he's like, he's, he comes, and I'm like, Andy, Andy, I've already prayed for him, yeah, I've prayed for him five not ten five you can tell him to God's already at work just get him to and then he goes oh you know what can't you do he goes well I can't clench your fist he goes well clench your fist and it was a bit hard because of the the, the, the plaster but he, he's trying and then he goes yeah is there any pain he goes no no there's no pain and then he says, well, "Can you punch?" He goes, "Well, not with a cast." And then he says, "Let's find something sharp and cut off the cast." I'm thinking, "You don't cut off the cast; they just put the cast on." So they go out and they get in, and they cut the cast off, and he comes back out and all his arms, all you know, kind of swollen and black and blue. And then he says, "What can't you do?" He says, "I can't clench your fist." Well, clench your fist. So he clenches his fist. Is there any pain? No, no pain. And he says, "Punch my hand." So he goes. And then he goes, "No, no, come and punch it hard." He goes. Punch. He says, "No, harder." Is there any pain? No, there's no pain. He says, what else can you do? He goes, well, you know, I couldn't do this. And as he's doing that, all the bruising disappears. And the guy goes, oh, my God, I'm healed, and starts running around. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's a true story. I get back to my hotel room. I am ticked with God. I am. I'm angry. I'm like, flipping at God. My prayers were better. And he had one scripture and didn't even relate. I had four great healing scriptures, all one laid on, one on top of the other. For my prayers were awesome. You know, his prayers were... And and so anyway, as clear as anything, God says to me, he says, would you like the same healing anointing as Andy's got? I'm like, yes, please. And he says, are you willing to pay the same price? See, Andy four times was diagnosed terminal with leukemia between 12 and 16. From the age of 12 to 16, four times he was diagnosed terminal. The last time he had less than a three percent chance of living. He was he was he's six foot three and he weighed sixty seven pounds. His parents had organized the Catholic priest to come in and, and do the last rites because the family was Catholic and they'd already ordered his coffin. As a 12, From 12 to 16, that little guy had to fight for his life. He had to fight for his life. Not only that, but some pastors and youth pastors in his area were relentless. They came while he was in a coma. When the doctors had ridden him off, they were just waiting for him to die. And they came in with anointing oil and they poured it on his head. He said he was he was in a coma. He was out to it. But all of a sudden, he said he saw angels pour oil on his head. Catholic boy, never been to church. Catholic and oil went right through his body and uh, he said he he woke up it was about 3 a.m. and he rang the bell and the nurse came running in because they're waiting for him to die rang the bell and he says I'm really hungry can I have something to eat she freaked out and ran and got the doctor who was on duty because he shouldn't be wanting to eat he should be dying and, uh, and so it, it took over an hour for, for the doctors to come around and go you want something to eat are you, are you sure and said, yeah I'm really hungry and so that was that was uh, that was uh, 24 years ago. 24 years later, he's, he's alive, healthy, and strong, but operates in an unbelievable level and an unbelievable dimension of healing, of miracles, of power, of signs and wonders. Can I tell you the month of July, the reason that, that I've got all these speakers up is because as a church, I refuse to build the church on Pastor Jurgen, Pastor Leanne, on my gifting, on my anointing, on my ability. I don't want to attract people to me. I want to attract people to Him. But I have to develop weapons. I am determined to raise up people who are, you know, who are deadly weapons in youth ministry, deadly weapons in children's ministry, deadly weapons in our colleges, de- deadly weapons in the business, deadly weapons in commerce. De- Deadly weapons in art, deadly weapons in creative, deadly weapons in media, deadly weapons in the political realms. We've got to raise up. We've got to empower. The devil had loved it that there were no blacksmiths in the in the whole land of israel that the enemy had all the blacksmith the enemy was developing the weapons well we're going to serve notice to the devil we're serving notice to the enemy right now you are not going to be the one that has the best weapons the world may be looking to you right now but i'm telling you we're raising up prophetic powerhouses we're raising up people that know how to move in the gifts and the presence and the power of the holy spirit this is a holy ghost church this is a church where we're empowering people to be become deadly weapons for the kingdom of God can somebody say amen Amen. now you know my my, uh, pastor Andy who's going to be here next week and he may share it but about four or five years ago he was in the shower and had had a really sore throat and just felt a massive lump behind his ear going right down to his throat and when he went to the doctors they said oh this is not good this is the cancer that's come back and when the doctor spoke that God said to him don't listen to the doctor that's a lie from the devil. That's a demon speaking through the doctor. Wow. Negativity, pessimism. So Andy said that he went into to spiritual warfare for three days. But he says, you know, the devil was putting thoughts in his head. Maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe your testimony was just meant to be that, you know, for 20 years you've been free. And now it's time, to, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But he went in, no, this is not, you know, my God. Uh, shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. My God heals all my diseases. You know, he bore our griefs, was, you know, stricken for, by his stripes. We are, and he just went into warfare, went into warfare. Three days later, lump completely gone, completely healed. i got to tell you, you know, the enemy is attacked relentlessly in my marriage, in my family, in my children. Why does God allow it? Because I don't believe in a presumptive sovereignty. I don't believe that God stops the enemy. I know that for me to take ground in my life, And for me to maintain the ground that I take, he has to teach me warfare. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the wiles, all the schemes, all the strategies, all the onslaughts, all the attacks of the enemy. Right here, right now on this planet, there is an enemy, there is a devil, and he wants to destroy you. But you and I don't need to fear the devil. I'm telling you that I don't waste one second of sleep at night hoping the devil doesn't attack me. I live in no fear from the devil. How come I? I don't live in fear from the devil because I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and I know that I've put myself on the anvil and allowing the word of God to hammer me into a weapon you know if you're not in in the, the Bible college thing sign up for the Bible's college sign up for DNA make your marriage a deadly weapon against divorce and against dysfunction there are too many people who just tolerate just an average marriage there are too many people who tolerate well you know what let's just stay together for the kids fooey to that I'm not staying with Leanne just for the kids I'm staying with Leanne because I'm head over heels in love but can I tell you something I realize it's not about what she does for me it's about what I do for her I realize that if I want if I want a fantastic marriage it begins with me there are too many people that say well you know she never and she and they're always looking at the other spouse man I'm telling you it doesn't start with them it starts with you you know, go to DNA marriage, get into our, our internship program. Let God put you on His anvil and let Him begin to bring the hammer and put some fire in your life. It's uncomfortable, I know. It doesn't feel good when the Word of God is beating it, but it's good for you. I, I This is what I've discovered, you know. I've got, I've got a personal trainer, Rob. Hates Jurgen Mamula and uh, and you know he takes and he makes I'm in the middle of the gym and uh, and I'm like Rob, you know, this is how much I, I lift doing bench press. Yeah, well, we're not gonna do bench press. Oh, okay. Well, this is what I do on try Yeah, we're not gonna do tries. Oh, okay. Well, this is what I do, put we're not gonna do put oh, what are we doing, Rob? He goes, are we're gonna do tabata. What's tabata? Is that like a bread? He's like, No, no, that's Tabata. Oh, what's tabata? He goes, That's an exercise. So so the next one I'm doing I'm doing push-ups on the floor. And uh, how many do I do? Rob he goes, we'll just go for 20 seconds. I can do 20 seconds, so I do 20 seconds now 10 second break. Oh, that's easy. Okay, here you go again. Another, another twenty. Seconds, okay. You know, and then, and then after four sets, he's like, just try and do four. I couldn't do four. He goes, we'll just do woman's push-ups. I'm in the middle of the gym. <laughs> True so I'm in the middle of the gym, and there's all these, you know, these big steroid boys. You know, they're walking around with steroids. They're lifting weights. They're walking around. With, and you know, like these guys, like with, you know, they've got like a, they've got like a, you know, a, a little mini in this arm and a mini in this arm. You know doing my curls today and, and here's me true story i'm i'm in the middle of, of the gym surrounded by these big burly steroid you know muscle brute you know with people muscles on their muscles you know, i'm working on my flaktoids and uh, and i and i'm and i'm struggling my arms are shaking and i'm doing girls push-ups on my knees go oh, 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 oh. like that and i'm struggling to get out 10 Girls' push ups in the middle, surrounded by flactoid, you know, developing schwarzenegger people around about. I feel like an idiot. I mean, it's not about just Yerkes doing exercise, it's about humiliating him. I'm sure Pastor Rob hates me. He hates me. How can he be? And he's doing But I've got to tell you, afterwards, afterwards. I feel so much, He pushes me beyond where I would go myself. We need that in the Spirit, that's what church is. There are some people, well, you know, we left that church, we didn't feel comfortable. It's, you shouldn't feel comfortable. You should, listen, if you're stealing time from your boss, you shouldn't come to church and feel comfortable. If you're sleeping with someone who's not your wife, you shouldn't come to church and feel comfortable. Come on, somebody. If there's things wrong in your life, you shouldn't come to church and feel... There should be a level of fire. There should be a level of... There should be a level of man. Man, man, that just... But it's good for you because God is shaping you into a deadly weapon. We need to be a weapon. We need weapons in our lives. We need to move in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit so we can take ground from the enemy. Can somebody say amen? I remember, uh, maybe it was about two years ago, Pastor John Heinrichs and I got... uh, Got called, oh, I have to go, don't I? i got two minutes. so oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Pastor John Hineson, I got a phone call and we went round to a home where there was a, a gentleman in a wheelchair and he had cancer of the spine. And the doctor said that there was probably six weeks to three months to live. And, uh, but as we walked in, I felt that God say, I'm gonna do a miracle. And I remember just walking in and just just praying in tongues. And I'm telling you, the power of God, I felt the power of God come into that place. They began to tell me about the doctor's reports. They began to show me the x-rays and the cancer was through the spine. They wanted to remove bits of the spine and put in titanium pieces. But it would mean that, you know, that the spine wouldn't work properly and that he would end up being in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And he just got married and his wife was, you know, it was just, it was a horrible situation. But you know what? I thank God. I thank God that I've been in situations before that where we needed healing, where we needed a miracle, where we needed a breakthrough because god had left some of the enemies in the land he left that so that we might learn to know warfare what warfare is this is what warfare is church warfare is you determining where the lines fall not the enemy don't let the devil say this is where the line is don't let the devil say yeah you know what poverty for the rest of your life yeah you know what you know, cancer's going to dominate your life. Yeah, you know what, you know, mental illness. Yeah, you know what, fear. You, you know what, phobia. You know what, addiction. You know what, depression. Yeah, you know what, anxiety. Don't, don't let the devil tell you where the lines are. You know what warfare is? Warfare is you pick that line up and you back the devil off. And you back him all the way back and you say, yeah, you know what, devil? This is the line. And he's like, but, but I've got nowhere to move. Exactly. All of this is freedom. All of this is blessing of God. And you go into spiritual warfare. You go into warfare. We laid hands on him. I'm telling you, the power of God hit him. About six months later, I'm in church. And this really handsome guy comes up to me. He's got a beautiful bride next to him. He says, do you remember me? I said, oh, man, the face is familiar. Which now, I I need to just make a pastor's confession to you. If I say that, I'm saying that It's just polite. i got no idea who it is. The face looks familiar. And so he goes, yeah, you came to our house. I'm like, oh, great. When? He's like, six months ago, I was in a wheelchair. like, what? I thought he must have changed wives. But when your husband's got, you know, three months to live, And the outlook is, the forecast is bleak. She was all disheveled. She is just bright and just beautiful. says, remember I showed you the x-rays of before? Here are the before and here are the afters. The before you see the cancer in the spine. The afters, there is nothing. He is completely healed, walking around, no wheelchair. Power of God came on him. God wants to make deadly weapons. This month, this month is all about us raising up people. Deadly weapons. Pastor David, Pastor... Don't stay back. Don't don't stay back. Can you come and cheer him on? Can you also do this? Let's stick it to the devil. Invite somebody to church. Let's make it the month of invitations. Now, to get someone here, you know, they say that on law of averages, you need to invite 10 people to get one along. Don't be afraid to invite people. Invite your barista. Invite your neighbors. But let's make it a month of invitation. Amen.